Hi, everybody. My name is Hafa Lombardino, and this is Translation Confessional. What is the most fundamental tool translators have? Yes, our language. And we must be the grammar and spelling police, not only when we're working on a project, but also when we're communicating with clients or interacting with peers online. We must use our language as well at all times. With that in mind, one tool I've been using for a while now, and I do use it constantly, is Grammarly. I've activated it on my email so I don't make any mistakes when sending a message to a client. I also have it available to me in Google Drive so I can use it when reviewing my students' translations into English or when I'm writing my own articles and brainstorming podcast episodes. And because I do translate into English very often, the premium version helps me keep my last draft sharp and ready for delivery. If you'd like to try out the world's best automated proofreader, visit bit.ly slash tc dash grammar. It's easy to remember. TC stands for Translation Confessional, followed by Grammar. Once again, you can visit Grammarly at bit.ly slash tc dash g-r-a-m-m-a-r. Keep your English sharp. Vocabulary pet peeves. Words I don't like. When you work with two or more languages, you can't help but make connections between them. Most of the time, these connections are great because they will help you bring a message from one language into another in a more natural way. Other times, It may turn you off to some words you may look at negatively because you're being influenced by your other languages. Or maybe you grow fond of a word or expression because of a good memory you've attached to it. I'm not really talking about false friends here. That is, when words look similar in two languages and have completely different meanings. No. I'm talking about the emotional charge you may apply to a word or expression that either makes you want to use it or avoid it. Actually, I was thinking about it the other day. I remember an English-speaking acquaintance saying something like, Sometimes I wish I was as ambitious as you are. Here's the context. I had been asked about my work, and I shared some information about my efforts to reach out to authors and get their books translated. I may be totally biased here as far as who directed that comment at me, but I didn't like it one bit. Calling me ambitious sounded a bit derogatory, like you're doing too much or you're trying too hard. At the same time, I know deep down that person was kind of thinking, well, I should get off my butt and do something productive with my life. This exchange took place a few years ago, but I do think about it from time to time. And I guess I'd rather be called driven and focused instead of ambitious. It may totally be a cultural thing, but ambiciosa and ambição in Portuguese 
just give me this idea that you would do anything to get what you want, including stepping on others along the way as you climb up an imaginary ladder of success, especially because you see others as an obstacle, as competitors, and you'd rather take them down or they'll get there before you. On the other hand, when you're driven, determinada, and focused, concentrada, it feels to me that you're just minding your own business while keeping your goals in mind, without worrying about what others are doing or what they think about what you're doing. You're just running by yourself and keeping an eye on the finish line, but without necessarily running a race alongside other people and trying to get in front of them, or worse yet, cause them to trip and fall or something so they're no longer in competition. Reflecting on that, I decided to go through my mental notes and try to find other words that are perfectly fine in one of my languages, whose correct meaning I know, but that still don't quite work for me personally. Of course, I don't let my preferences influence my work, and I may use them in a translation if need be, but they're not my favorites. And just to counterbalance it, I reflected on the words and expressions I like too. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here's another word in English that I don't like. Melancholy. It has nothing to do with the meaning of the word, but rather its use in English. If you look it up in a monolingual English dictionary, you see that melancholy is used as both a noun and an adjective. And the second category is what bugs me. I always think it should be melancholic instead when you're describing something, thus reserving melancholy for the abstract noun. I know both forms exist as an adjective, but if you look it up on Google Books and Gram Viewer, you see that melancholic is used way less often than melancholy, even though the use of either version of the term seems to be in decline since the early 1800s, which Ingram indicates as the height of its popularity in the English corpus it analyzes to gauge the frequency of use of words and expressions. On that same note, I have to say I don't like the words pandemic and epidemic either, and my distaste for them predates COVID-19. They both sound like adjectives, not nouns. Using Ngram as a thermometer again, even though there are instances of pandemic and epidemic, which sound French to me, 
they seem to have been forgotten or maybe were left behind for sounding too foreign. So that's probably why we now use pandemic and epidemic as nouns. Before we continue, I wanted to tell you about Better World Books. It's a great website to search for new and used books in several categories. You can find textbooks about translation, interpretation, and languages, as well as translated and original fiction and nonfiction. Some deals qualify for free shipping, which can really come in handy when you're on a budget. If you'd like to check out Better World Books, go to this webpage, bit.ly tc bwb. It's easy to remember. TC for Translation Confessional and BWB for Better World Books. Once again, the webpage is bit.ly slash tc-bwb. Hope you like it. Now, there are a few words in Spanish that I don't care for, and come to think of it, they're all related to soccer. Newsflash, I watch a lot of soccer in all my languages. The first one is porteria and, consequently, portero. Those are the words used in some regions for the physical goalposts and the goalkeeper. They make me think of doors or gates due to the influence of Portuguese in my brain, so it always feels a bit off when I hear them. There's nothing I can do about it. I know porteria and portero are also used in Spanish to describe the entrance to a building where a door attendant works at, But I like arco and arquero much better because they bring to mind the image of an arc, which better describes soccer goalposts, at least in my mind. I also don't care for hinchas, as in soccer fans or supporters. In both Spanish and Portuguese, it's derivative of puffing up or swelling up. In Brazil, we call individual fans or supporters Torcedor, and collectively, they make up a torcida. And both terms come from torcer, which is to root for, but also to twist or ring. That's W-R-I-N-G. So, I guess Brazilian fans are twisters or ringers, while Spanish fans are, what, puffed up? <laughs> and then we have porristas, which are the cheerleaders. It sounds like a very dirty word in Portuguese, so Brazilians always giggle like fifth graders when we hear it. <laughs> a Spanish-speaking friend once told me that porra means baton, so maybe that's why porristas derived from it. If you think about a group of cheerleaders twirling batons and shaking pom-poms in the air. Still, I'm not a fan and prefer the Brazilian term, which is Líder de torcida, that is, leader of the fans or supporters. Moving on to a term in Italian, just to balance things out among all my languages, but still staying on the same theme of soccer and sports. Tifo, or tifoso, means fans or supporters in Italian, but I cannot disassociate it in my brain from typhoid fever. Actually. Tifo is also related to medical conditions in Italian, 
And that's partially why they've associated with fans, which is short for fanatics, by the way. So, tifosi are feverish supporters. In other words, they're so fanatic about their team, they've got the fever. Wow, that was a lot of negativity for one episode. And, as I said, this is just my personal opinion on the way I feel about some words I hear in my languages. Is it just me, or do you also have a few words that you detest in the languages you speak or are currently studying? Drop me a line or leave me a comment whether you came to this episode on Anchor, social media, or YouTube. I'd love to hear from people who have some vocabulary pet peeves. Next week, I promise to come back on a more positive note and share with you the words that I simply love to hear or write whenever the opportunity arises. Send me an email at rlombardino at wordawareness.com or leave a voice message on my anchor page. If I get enough feedback and voice messages, I can go back to the subject and post a special podcast episode with everyone's opinion on this very same theme. By the way, my anchor page is anchor.fm slash translation dash confessional. I look forward to hearing from you. Stay tuned for weekly episodes and subscribe to Translation Confessional through your favorite podcast app.